0: Hey everybody, I hope you're well. Stuart Bell here from dairy and welcome to the latest edition of the Finnovator. Uh, Thanks to everybody for your feedback. I'm really loving it. I hope you're enjoying the content too. Well, this week I've got something uh, that hopefully is just as enlightening, informative, and maybe even hugely practical uh, to you. Greg Cook. Uh, I first met Greg many, many years ago when I was part of the FPA Sydney uh, uh, Committee, I guess and myself and Scott Andrews launched something called Finnovate, which was kind of an attempt to take you know, your stayed, normal kind of uh, financial services events and turn it into something different. We borrowed it from the tech world. And uh, essentially, it was this initiative where everybody would come along, they'd have a slide deck, 20 slides, uh, five minutes to talk, and the slide deck would change every, tw- uh, I think, 30 seconds. Sound about right? Uh, and they would have to freewheel it. And I think Greg was one of the people who just came along and totally owned it. Um, he's a really, really interesting dude. He's one of these people who, uh, as well as being a great advisor and, and runs a great business, has so much going on outside of um, just being what he does that he, he's got a very well-rounded life, and at times he makes it look really easy. I remember one of my first experiences, he shared with me, a, I think an advert he'd done for the CPA, uh, where in front of the cameraman, he had to pretend to be a drunk accountant. So uh, it may even still be on YouTube, but that's the kind of guy uh, Greg is. This uh, v- issue of Finovator is really where we dived into growth. Uh, Greg's been uh, growing his business, started out with Eureka uh, Acquisition, Eureka, come with Nort. And around him, he's created a really uh, good team of people with him and Andrew Jones. Uh, and they built it really in smart ways. Uh, in this uh, particular podcast, we actually went through the four phases that the business has gone through. We talked a lot about uh, staff management. We talked about the challenges, you know, what breaks when you get from one stage to another and a whole bunch of other areas. I think if you are a practitioner who is looking to grow your business uh, and you don't want to kind of break your back along the way, you don't want to run out of energy and you want to understand kind of what you need to know uh, when you get to the next stage or even the stage beyond that. Uh, Greg was just so full of information and answers. It was a real pleasure uh, to work with him. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. As always, if something piques your interest, uh, please feel free to reach out, uh, either uh, just to have a chat, or alternatively, if you know something we spoke about in terms of building your business and growing your business is something you think I could help with, uh, just just send me a message at uh, Stuart@adareo.com.au. But in the meantime, hold tight. I hope you really enjoy uh, this version, and uh, yeah, here he is, Greg Cook. So Greg Cook, uh, he is the head honcho of Her- Eureka with mcnaught I first met Greg when I was part of the FPA. Uh, he was very, very helpful in getting something we were launching at the time, Elevate, uh, which was kind of an informal FPA sort of event. And he was really supportive. I think he actually came and spoke at it. But since then, I've had the opportunity to work with Greg and his team. And I've just kind of noticed how he's one of these people who's not only been successful in business and successful almost like in a way that seems effortless but i I know it's not but also he's somebody who who um just gets the social side of it the networking side but more importantly he's got a myriad of interests outside and i'm always really interested in people who manage to combine running a successful business and still maintaining interest outside of it because they're the people i want to learn from so hopefully we're going to learn some great stuff today because greg is not only very generous with his time and very very easy to approach and talk to uh but also he's he's got some runs on the board uh as you, his interest in cricket. There you go. Got an analogy in. Good. Happy morning
1: to you, sir. No worries. Good How's it all you. going where you are? Um, pretty good. Really hectic week. Um, well, <laughs> I was going to be overseas next week for a conference, and um, because of the coronavirus, that's been cancelled. So, I feel like it's a blessing in disguise because I've suddenly got uh, a week where I can catch up on uh, <laughs> some stuff. So.
0: <laughs> we were the, I was the same we were going to t- take the kids to vietnam my, my youngest uh, nate's never been on a plane which is kind of the second child syndrome thing but we were doing planning on doing vietnam and, and we've just gone nut. Nah, doesn't matter how cheap the fares are going so we're gonna we're gonna we just put the money we would have put into vietnam to hiring a really nice house in evoker and i think put it this way i think the australian tourism needs the boost after the bush buys and yeah yeah um how are you doing on toilet paper just out of interest
1: yeah no that's pretty weird isn't it um <laughs> Oh, there's a bit of a running joke that I don't go to super- <laughs> very much which is something I probably shouldn't share but uh, yeah no, human beings are really surprisingly crazy sometimes yeah it just goes to show you when people start reacting to
0: people weird stuff happens yeah that's... mate. I know you, I know we've got uh, 50 minutes of your time and you've got to shoot off because you've got a, a rather important client meeting so thank you so much for joining us mate um, I'm really keen to get to the heart of the story but I don't want to assume that uh, everybody here knows you and what you do so for those who maybe know about you or don't know anything. What do you do? Tell me about your business. Tell me about the people you help.
1: Yeah. So um, Eureka ignore it. So uh, I basically started the uh, Eureka business with my father-in-law uh, in the early 90s. Um, I can talk about the growth phases later. Probably the biggest kick along was we, uh, we took on a, the, a big the biggest chunk of Eureka of Whitaker McNaught and it was broken up about seven years ago. So that was uh, a Queensland based business. So yep. at, at that time, we, about 60% of our revenue was from Queensland and 40% from the old sort of Eureka business in, um, in Sydney. Okay. So I went up and lived there for a couple of years as we better that down cause it was a really big thing for us. And, uh, yeah, we've done a couple of other acquisitions down here in Sydney, so we're sort of back to about sixty percent of our revenue being New South Wales. So, we've got a team of ten planners, including me, and a team of about twenty-five, and we were the founding practice in Paul Barrett's um, uh, AZNGA um, uh, business that was launched about five years ago. Lovely. Yeah, a lot of a lot. Of, I've worked with a few businesses that are part
0: of that, but um, it's an interesting. It's an interesting exercise and I hope um, it gets, well, I know it is getting traction, but I think Australia needs kind of a, uh, that kind of investment in, in advice practices. Like, I think you've just come from a session with the, the U, in the US, so you know a lot about high tower in the US and whatnot. Yep. Um, so, let's take it back to the beginning. Um, how did you get into the industry? How did it all start?
1: Yeah, so, um, look, late 80s, early 90s, I uh, worked for five years as a, as a sales engineer, so I sort of had a background in electronics. Believe it or not, when I left school, wow. and, uh, yeah, and um, I sort of realised, you know, I had some relationship skills, and saw the uh, the guys that were in the sales team were uh, the guys driving the company cars and so on. So I worked for Philips for four of those years, including in Perth and uh, Philips, the electronics company. But yeah in their scientific, you know, test and measurement equipment, calibration equipment and so on. So um, my father-in-law was a colonial mutual um, lifey from, you know, the late '60s, And uh, he, when business was really booming in the late 80s, he said to me, oh, you should come across, you'd fit in well. And then when the recession came along and we wanted to move back from Perth, uh, um, I said, oh, well, look, I'd like to take you up on that. And he goes, well, that was a year or two ago. We're now sort of, uh, it's tough times in our industry and, you know, I couldn't sort of employ you. And anyway, long story short, I said, well, I'll have, a, I saved up some money, $15,000 I remember, which is probably about, you know, six months uh, living expenses and uh, and um, went into it by myself for the first 12 months. And then when I started to get some traction, we formed, um, Fegan Cook Proprietary Limited, which is actually the same business that's Eureka reckon we ignore these days. So, um, okay. when, I was, when I was twenty-four. So, yeah, twenty-four. Yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, a lot, I've got a real cohort of um, guys and girls in my team now that are in their mid twenties, and um, yeah, yeah, it's. Um, it, I really enjoy sort of all the, the the fresh skills and what have you that they have uh, around our business, but but yeah, like the. I know that's a long, 30 years ago is a long time ago, but the, the industry was going through a crisis back then too. Um, and uh, I sort of managed to build a clientele from like orphan clients of old advisors that had, uh, had left or, you know, fly by night sort of um, lifey guys for one of a yeah. better expression. So um, you're starting the business at
0: 24. I, I want to I talk about this a little bit because 24 is relatively young to start a business
1: um well how did that i mean did you just jump into it did you, were you yeah did you... I, I probably i don't know like a lot of young people i overestimated my ability <laughs> so i just you know i'm a glass half full kind of person and just sort of back myself I always try to be sort of conscious of my shortcomings and try and mm. sort of work on those and like soon after i got in the business i mean i joined the fpa virtually straight away i I didn't. I wanted to um, be strong technically, and and you know mm. I I studied um, part time and did the did the CFP um, as soon as I could in the sort of mid nineties because um, you know I, I was conscious as relationship skills in our know, profession these days, but um, there's a lot of guys I came across that were were, were in, incompetent really um, on the technical front. So the last thing I wanted to do was um, you know do any. Uh, damage to 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 uh to our clients so and i wanted to you know um wanted to look after increasingly sophisticated clients and um and i wanted to be you know i kept sort of analyzing well well what where are my shortcomings or you know where 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 could we be doing things better as a business and where's where's the industry or the profession uh heading and uh because you know there's a lot of things in the 1990s about you know commission disclosure and all customer advice records and all these sort of things which sort of, <laughs> seem very quaint uh, nowadays but they were they were their own challenge you know 25 years ago. Was the one page statement of additional advice the SOAA do you remember yeah, that? Yeah yeah people you know had yeah. connections over things like that.
0: I, s- I still believe that one day we'll eventually get down FSRA. I don't think we've done it yet but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, tell me about that short I'm interested in the, in the analysis of the shortcoming because that's something I find that people who achieve big things tend to constantly do. They, they don't pull themselves back. They don't dwell on the mistakes, but they'll look back and go, what can I get better at? Is there a process that you apply to do that?
1: Uh, yeah, I just try and sort of surround myself with, with people that have um, better skills in that area. I mean, I'm not the, uh, the, the most polished public speaker but um i was really hopeless in the uh, in the in the in the 90s so um i've i've worked over the years to um to try and improve those skills um and, and you know and again um on, on the technical front um andrew jones uh is my um fellow shareholder in the business these days he joined me in 2002 and he's a cpa and came from a, a really strong technical background and so um you know we've tried to uh, as we taking the business from a small business to a mid-sized business, Tried to make sure that we, um, um, that I've, I've tried to make sure that I've surrounded myself with, uh, with people that with complementary skills and people that I can learn from. Perfect. So I, a big part of what I want to talk to you today is about phases of growth. And when
0: we chatted, the one thing you mentioned is you can put down the, the transformation of the, your business and its various guys. It's gone through four phases. So yep. I think it'd be really useful because to understand these phase, I think, and what the challenge was, what the mistakes potentially you made and, and how you overcame, it would be good. So, if we break it down
1: into sort of phases. Okay. So, I'll, I'll sort of start at, at the end, like the the current renovation of our business that, that I'm in the middle of at the moment is Eureka can Ignore 4.0, EWM yeah. 4.0, that's the current strategy of the business. So, yeah, to answer your question, what was it 4.0? So... Um, 1.0 in in my um, business's life is, you know, that period from 1992 through to when I bought out my my father-in-law, my original business partner in 2000 and then uh, Andrew Jones joined me and at the time um, it was um, uh, the FSRA changes, the current licensing regime in the early 2000s. So that that was, that changeover was was EWM um, or Eureka as it was then, uh, 2.0. Um, the, the third, and, and then, you know, over the, the coming years, we had uh, the global financial crisis and, you know, yeah. we all sort of learned some lessons there and some changes to our businesses. Uh, 3.0 for us was the, the whittaker Ignored opportunity, which is 2013. And a lot of these things coincide with regulatory change. So there was the, the FOFA changes then, and that was yeah. you know, the thing that sort of prompted the Commonwealth Bank to actually... Um, break up and sell off uh, Whitaker McNaught, and look, that was really a tripling of size um, uh, for our business. And um, I guess one of the reasons, though, we got the opportunity is we had a, a pretty strong business and a good reputation, I think, around the Commonwealth Bank. And so, and I developed a relationship with Noel Whitaker himself. So, um, so that was one of the reasons that that that, that opportunity came our way. And yeah, um, now with you know the uh, um, post royal commission and the fazia changes and so on um have, have prompted um uh, the fourth era of our business and i think we, we've been ahead of the curve but we've also done um a lot of tuck-in acquisitions along the way and so yeah. what, what tends to happen is if, if you're um, um acquiring the business of a retiring advisor then sort of by definition it's not necessarily the um how can I put it, um, most sort of up-to-date sort of um, uh, business. So you, you tend to sort of acquire, you know, um, uh, older trail commissions and asset-based fees and so on that you need to renovate. So it's sometimes a little bit of, you know, three steps forward and one back sort of thing. Okay. So should we dump, can we jump into the, the the first phase
0: and then sequentially?
1: Yeah. So
0: it Makes sense to work backwards. Which would you prefer?
1: Yeah, no, look, um, I mean, I, I suppose I covered that first phase a bit before with the, uh, with the intro, but I mean, the first five years I was, um, basically a, a life insurance guy, a colonial, um, mutual that, that I joined, you know, it, it yeah. went through its, its changes in the, in the mid nineties and, and rebranding. Um, yeah. I'm t- trying to remember the guy that, uh, demutualized it, he's, um, um, Majesty passed away a couple of years ago. Um, anyway, you know, I, I, I can't quite recall, but big changes there. And, you know, we were effect, you know, when you look back on it now, we were obviously just a distribution for, um, uh, for product. Um, and yeah, look, uh, I had a young family and, um, and big mortgage. Um, and yeah. you know, uh, there was a lot of tough, a lot of tough times there. I was sort of working, uh, working hard um really hard my wife was um a nurse a couple of uh, shifts a week and you know i can remember days when um we used to have what we call duty rep in here at martin place where you'd sort of get all the lead opportunities i think the amp called it floor day or whatever and uh, and so i can remember having all these proposals to 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 get finalized before mm. i went into martin place at eight thirty a.m and so i remember driving um uh, to, to, to my Chatswood office at, at like 4am, working for a couple of hours then getting on the train, coming in the city and you sort of got all these leads during the day and some of them you thought well gee I'm just going to go out and see this guy tonight so you'd sort of drive out to the western suburbs at right. night and, and, and then you'd sort of get home so and then you know I'd Pass the keys in the driveway to my wife, who'd take okay. the car and, and go, go on. Um, so yeah. Anyway, we've all got sort of our, uh, oh, that's our, well, our, our hard luck stories, but you sort of put in the odd day like that. Where um, and I remember there was a moment where I sort of um, inherited a, a, a client or an orphan client, and um, he really had a great business, and he had some interest in another business, and that guy I got on well with as well. It was like a really fertile patch of, of, of prospective clients, and um, and then I landed. Um, that business and, uh, and end up doing corporate super work in, in that business. And, uh, and I sort of remember um, going home one afternoon and the sun was shining and being out in the backyard and thinking, gee, I, I've actually, uh, I think I've actually, um, I've got a future in, in financial planning. And that was probably about five years in. So. Love it.
0: <laughs> so um, I'm, I meant to ask you, and I, I should have asked this earlier, but I'm going to ask you now. Was there a point, and maybe it's at this point, where you actually made a decision that you were going to build a big business as opposed to, you know, just keep it tight, keep it profitable
1: and all the rest of it. Yeah, no, I've always wanted, if I'm going to do it, I want to, um, <laughs> have a red hot go and make it the biggest sort of most successful thing I can. And I suppose when I look back, like, um, my sort of parents were um, working class people. I grew up in a corner store, I always sort of, um, had a bit of I I don't know, business acumen. And, um, and I can remember, like another quick story. I, I um, when I actually started to make some money as as a sales engineer for Philips, I um I went and bought myself the biggest jet ski you could buy, and uh, <laughs> and i would <and, and> <laughs> only been licensed for two weeks, and there was this world jet ski championship at um, at Bondi, and um my um, um anyway, we <laughs> I, I got Philips to sponsor me, and uh, I went in it, and uh, actually um managed to come sort of middle of the field and some of the races are in the surf there at uh, north bondi but uh but yeah i mentioned that because i straight away started thinking well I'm going, get it, I'm going to get into the jet ski business. Like, um, you know, there's only, there's only one shop and it's down at, right, all the way down the shire at Carringborough. You know, how would that work? And, and I remember starting to talk to business people about, um, about how um, a, a jet ski shop might work. And so, yeah, that was sort of when I was 19 years of age. I'm glad I didn't do it. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I guess there's always been, a, you know, a, an entrepreneurial element um, to me. I remember walking
0: down with Rachel, um, but long before we married, this is early two thousand. We were walking down Cockle Bay, and at the time, there was a big nightclub base, And I just turned to her and said, "You know what? I'm going to start my own nightclub." And she looked at me and went, "No, you're not." <laughs> the end of that. But um, yeah, oh, man, I've, I've had plans for coffee shops, startups. I think it's, I think it's, if you've got that bug, um, it's always interesting to see. How these, <laughs>
1: Hey, Look, I, right I, right. I won't bore you, but just in the space of 60 seconds, a quick uh, quick story. My um, my best mate came along uh, for that world jet ski thing at Bondi and a uh, really big guy. And uh, they had the, one of the sponsors was Gorilla Grip, the stuff you put on. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they had this big, big gorilla out, outfit and, <laughs> and, and um, and they got him to dress up in it and he said he could ride and he'd only just been practicing on mine and it was a different type of jet ski and he went out there in the surf and he was out at the back of the breakers and he came off and could you imagine like head to toe in a gorilla outfit like he came <laughs> off in the surf I would have drowned and he oh. managed to sort of crawl back on but he couldn't stand back up he was only on his knees and the guy who was running the whole thing said to me mate I thought you could ride <laughs> <laughs> oh and that's it, brilliant uh, any photos or? It was, yeah, uh, I've got a photo of me on the beach with the jet ski, but
0: not uh, not my mate Roy in the gorilla suit. Oh man, that was, I tell people I'm I'm happy. I'm really happy I did all the stupid stuff in my life before Facebook. Cause no <laughs> I um, just quickly, what was the thing you think that made that uh, the, that enabled you to skip out from from phase one, which is presumably working your ass off, to into phase two, which was you know the, the second phase of the business, which we'll talk about.
1: What was um, yeah, I guess, um, um, I had the, um, the, the courage, if you like, to, um, to, to buy out my um, original business partner, my father-in-law, because that, um, you know, it wasn't, um, it, it's, it's sort of, you know, sometimes with those situations, you've, you've got to sort of be uh, a little bit active in making the, um, the process unfold. Um, yep. so, um, yeah, and you know, to be able to um, to finance that, so that was um, that was a, a bit of a big call. We sort of actually did that deal in '98, and then he sort of worked on in a in a uh, handover capacity through to 2000. Um, and I, I guess the other thing was sort of realising that you know, just being a sort of a, a cottage industry, just sort of one planner and the. And um, a couple of support staff wasn't really going to be the future, and so um, yeah, as you said in the intro, I've always tried to uh, to sort of mm. network well around the industry, and uh, and yeah, it was great that um, you know I, I was introduced to Andrew Jones, who um, who I you know he'd, he'd done he'd, he'd been an accountant and then a para planner um, working for Prudential and the Colonial, um, and uh, he, he was new to planning, so I think I. Taught him a fair bit in the early years, but I also um, learned a lot from him. And, uh, and whilst the opportunity for the Whitacombe Ignored deal um, came along through sort of my connections, we wouldn't have been able to do it without, um, without um, uh, his, his uh, involvement and support, that's for sure. And what was it? I mean, I think when you look at tech startups, they generally will not take
0: sole, sole founder startups. What was it about Andrew that really appealed to you? And specifically, how did you get that deal? I mean, what was the, what was the agreement? Was it a salary?
1: Was it a, you know? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah I don't think you'd mind me saying. I mean, we, we did a split on, um, on revenue and we sort of um, came up with something that I actually had in the early 90s with Colonial where we sort of agreed on a, on a base wage, but that sort of went against a commission account. Um, yep. but you know, in the early months that drives into the negative sort of thing so um but I think you know well, I was reasonably um, generous with sort of the opportunity for equity in the business, but Andrew yep. you know um, earned, it, earned every cent of it and um, um, he was able to some of the big clients so i got on board he was able to take things to the next level and i mean he's gone on to be um you know one of the best um self-managed super specialists in the country mm.
0: um yeah it's good to know because it, it can be sometimes hard i find to find that person and then if you do find them it's it's how do i you know particularly if you're in early stage of the business how do you afford to to bring yeah. them on board so that's
1: good yeah. to know. no i mean you, you can't discount your luck as well i mean i yes. i sort of uh, you know uh it, it could have been introduced to the wrong person and made a wrong decision. And uh, sometimes you just got to um, go on, go on gut feel and uh, yeah. with it. So I always think go on gut feel, but then do everything to disprove yourself.
0: And if you suck, <laughs> if you can't do it, it's probably the right decision in the first place. Yep. Um, phase two from 2000 onwards, I think you mentioned this is, so you got Andrew on board. You are now <laughs> own the company. It's your, it's your beast and you've kind of, you've broken through that initial phase. Tell us what phase two was all about.
1: Yeah. Look, just um, more organic growth of the business. Um, organic? Or, yep. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you know, with listed companies, for example, I was just hearing the other day about one of the absolute um, uh, indicators of, uh, of a healthy business is, is strong organic growth. I mean, ultimately, you, you only grow in two ways through acquisition and that costs money and yeah. growing organically costs money too. You've got to invest in the people and the marketing and, and, and what have you. Um, so even in times where at the moment we're sort of discontinuing client relationships that aren't suitable for us, we're absolutely focused on, um, on, on organic growth in, in the business. Um, look, uh, yeah, gee, casting back sort of uh, uh, 15 years, um, we, yeah, we were always, I, I suppose, trying to use technology and you know, product platforms and, and so on. That were, were, were proven, you know. We didn't. You want to be on the um, on the leading edge, but not on the bleeding edge, sort of yeah. thing. Because uh, you know, as a small business, you can invest a lot of effort into to things that don't go anywhere. Yeah. We, um, you know, we were as the terminology is an aligned business. You know, Colonial have been bought by the Commonwealth Bank, and we were licensed with uh, with Financial Wisdom. So, I um, I always tried to work um, really harmoniously um, with. Our licensee, and um, yeah, I um, and professionally too, I, I took on some, I guess, leadership roles. I um, um, was on the Financial Wisdom Advisor Forum for six years and chaired it for for two or three years, um, and got involved more in the, uh, the FPA. And I've been, for example, on the Conduct Review Commission for the last. 10 or so years which um is is the uh, the the disciplinary body um w- within the fpa so right um yeah i mean i i just kept uh, you know through conferences and uh and an extra study um you know i went and did the life risk specialist um at Um, uh, subjects and uh, the uh, professionalism and ethics, um, um, CFP1, um, you know, when really there was no actual regulatory need to. I just wanted to continue to update and improve my skills. Also, I sort of, you know, someone gave me the tip that, um, you know, if you want to market yourself and your business a bit better, you need to go out and win some awards. So I started to uh, put effort uh, into that, and you know, we've been runners-up and won various things, both personally and as a business, um, over the last um, 15 years to to add credibility uh, to the business. What do you think about the way? Do you still think the the award
0: thing is has changed in any way, shape, or form, or do you think it still is still as relevant?
1: Yeah, no, it's. Um, I, I guess most industries and professions, you know, want to recognise. Um, um, you know they they 're um, successful and and professional um, people the, I was at um, the, the barons conference uh, last week, so that 's the weekly um, new york uh, publication and they they, they do a fifty top advisors in Australia in partnership with um, with the Australian newspaper. And I think that's going to be widened to hundred. And part of their philosophy is, well, you know, you hear a lot about the bottom 1%. Let's um, give you some news and profiles about the, the top 1%. And you know, they acknowledge it's not a perfect, perfect science, although it's a fairly rigorous um, process they go mm. through. So i have actually put that on my list of, um, of, you know, a list that I'd like to be part of over the next four months. So. Love it.
0: So at this phase, I'm interested in, we might not do it in marketing, but it'd be interesting to hear about that if you get time. So your organic growth, investment in people and marketing. You're, uh, you're looking at select technology and solutions going, you know what, that's interesting, but I need something that's going to work today. And you're sort of working within the constraints for licensing rather than trying to buck the trend or, or build something. What was the either you know, the, the, the mistakes you made at this point which held you back or what were the main things that you think you did well that enabled, other, outside of that that enabled you to break through? Were there any key things that you want to point out to other people who may be in this space?
1: Um, Look, like my involvement with other advisors through peer groups and also through my role on the Financial Wisdom Advisor Forum and the FPA groups that I was in, Mm -hmm. I was always trying to learn from successful peers, so that's probably one of the things I did right. Um, Yeah, look, um, we, um, you know, there was mistakes we made, you know, during uh, the GFC. You know, none of our clients were, were massively um, in, impacted, but um, uh, like everybody, we sort of, um, we, we took some lessons from that um, uh, from that period. Yeah. You know, we are, you know, just thinking of things from a commercial point of view, our fees were all asset-based, and so uh, like everybody was sort of working uh, twice as hard for, uh, yeah. for less revenue uh, During that, that period yeah. um, But you know we were always Pretty sound in our, um, our Processes and philosophy And investment approach And so it didn't didn't affect us unduly um, I did I, I suppose you'd call my first acquisition Was um, was uh, My original business partner Mike Fee And then um, did another one um, During those 2000 um, Early 2000s um, uh guy with the name of Ian Evans. E, so, sort of, you, you learn. You know, I've probably been involved in six or seven or eight um, um, acquisitions, various sizes, um, mm. uh, in my time. Maybe even more than that, actually. Um, and so, you, you, you know, it's good to um, to learn some lessons in a small way, rather than sort of learn learn <laughs> big lessons some um, in a, in a big chunk. And yes. I guess that, that put us in a position that when the opportunity came up with Whittaker and in 2013, that we um, we knew at least a bit about what we needed to, um, to look out for and, and, you know, some of the, the challenges that would be associated with, um, with a big acquisition like that. So
0: a, a of people, I've seen businesses that dive into social media marketing and spend $3,000 a month on a consultant, and then three months later, they're, they're basically starting to learn why that hasn't worked. So I think that rule of thumb is if you don't fully understand something, what's the way that you can do it in a small way on the assumption that you're going to learn as you go, but you don't want to lose your pants along the way, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, let's talk about phase three. 3X size. Three
1: yeah. So, Activision. man, this is interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that, this was pretty big for us. I mean, um, if I can, I, I remember when we did that deal, every time I'd run into an advisor made of mine, they'd, they'd say, um, hey, can I use the expression, you've got balls doing that because they, uh, <laughs> they, they realized that sort of it was tripling the size of our business and borrowing millions of dollars, you know, yeah. and, and personally guaranteed um but look um you know the uh the business um wasn't perfect but we sort of managed to crack a deal where we had um it was a a a pretty good multiple that we we paid for and there were certain sort of guarantees about clients that were opting out and uh yeah thankfully um we came with some um, great people that um uh, many of which are still a part of our business Look mm. in, in our Brisbane office. Um, Sally Bell, who's my general manager of advice is probably, and she's now an equity holder in, uh, in the business. And, uh, you know, she's, she's, um, uh, she's a real star and uh, she's effectively been working for Whittaker McNaught for about um, about 15 years now, most, most of her adult life. I mean,
0: you've suddenly, you're coming into work, I mean, obviously it's not that sudden, you're coming into work the day before you've got a business that's like that. Three, um, three months later, you've got a business that's like that. You've got staff you don't even know or you're getting to know don't, don't, don't know yep. them. How do you manage that? I mean, how, how do you basically manage that from a corporate point yeah. of view? Equally importantly, man, how do you manage that personally?
1: Yeah, no, that was a pretty, um, pretty hectic time. Um, I, um, actually, you know, you sort of build a clientele that really sort of relies on you and you think you can't delegate sort of thing. One of the benefits of that was like I moved from Sydney to Brisbane. So I, we hired a guy to basically take on uh, most of my client relationships in Sydney. So we're able to make that a, a fairly clean break. And I'm, I sort of took a leaf out of Noel Whitaker's book and, and said, well, I'm not actually going to look after clients now. Yeah, um, and I can talk a little bit about how that's changed uh, in, the ma- in the last year or so. But um, so uh, you know, Andrew Jones sometimes cynically says, "I'm, I'm the master delegator." So um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of skills I don't have, and I'm, I'm I, the last thing I want to do is um, is you know play around in an area when there's you know somebody down the hall who's um, who's a lot better at it than me. So yeah, um, yeah. Look, I, I just try and um, you know delegate anything that. Um, you know, is is not a good use of, of my time, um, and, and and yeah, um, I mean, just talking about the how much I, I used to joke at our peer groups that I only had had uh, one client, a um, particular sort of uh, uh, high profile client that I, I, that I've got. Um, but I, I actually did go through a period where really it, it, um, he was the uh, the only one I was looking after because uh, everyone had sort of been reallocated, and I was concentrating on M and A activity and also. Mm. Um, uh, uh, concentrating on running the business, but in the uh, in the last 12 months, I've delegate, delegated more of the uh, the management of the business to uh, to Sally Bell, and um, and I've um, I'm just putting starting my second guy through his professional year. So I really one of the things I've um, got a lot of reward out of over the years is sort of mentoring young people i sort of i'm president of linfield cricket and i enjoy doing it there on the cricket uh, front but uh, also enjoy doing it um, professionally so this uh, someone told me that um, apparently there's only actually five people around the country doing their professional year and, and i've got two of them um so oh, okay. um, yeah so um uh and look that's that's been a, a pretty heavy process you know uh, because licensees were, were new to it so um, um but, but I've, I've really enjoyed that so that's got me back in front of a lot of clients being the supervisor for those guys and uh, and yeah just the, the you know the, the, the current uh, revenue changes that are going on um, across all our businesses it's 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 just made me to go back to one of my strengths which is client work so let's talk about this because I think um, I think it was Karen Way who said the biggest
0: thing that holds a lot of business owners back is that they continue to think like like technicians. In other words, the thing that holds advisors back from running great businesses is they can't take the advisor hat off yep. and put the entrepreneur hat on. But you did two things that I'm really interested in. You handed over the relationships completely. And I reckon there's a few people who'd like to even hand over 50% of their relationships, which I imagine is a, is a combination of the approach and the people. And the second thing, you got better at delegation, which a lot of people struggle with. Would you mind talking us through each of those in turn? The first being... How did you hand over those relationships and not have the feeling like you had to come constantly jump in and train up the staff or, or the, you know, deal with the clients either dropping off or not coming, not going down the right channels?
1: Yeah, look, fortunately there weren't many that, uh, that, that dropped off. And as I say, I had the advantage of the, the relocation, you know, mm-hmm. just moving into state for, for good reason. So that, that really helped. And so it was a fairly, um, brutal sort of um uh, changeover if, if you like and okay I always sort of said though to clients you know like I'm, I'm you know here's my mobile i mean you can always talk to me as well but it, it, it probably makes sense to take this up with um with, with your new advisor and um yeah i mean if you've got if you've got sort of competent people that that you can trust then you know, trying to be the sort of center of the universe and sort of the, you know, i got a big thing on 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 alleviating key person dependency. Like yeah. some of the acquisitions I've done, there's a lot of key person dependency in the business mm. that you're acquiring. And you sort of, if there's that much key person dependency, then what you're selling is not worth as much as what it would be if um, if it was, um, if, if, if it could be operated just as readily by another professional.
0: On that, again, this is a really another key point. I don't want to sort of, but you're obviously going and buying businesses that had key person dependency because you built the skill of, of coming in and removing that or, or addressing it. What do you think are the main causes that stop more advisors from removing that dependency? What do they, what are they not do? What do they not build? What do they not develop?
1: Um, I don't know. The psych- in their psychology, they want to be needed. I think is, is one of the, the, the things. Um, and I don't know. Some of them I've seen, they just rely too heavily on the relationship part. So, you know, they, it's great having a great professional relationship with your clients, but if your, you know, um, your relationship is hinged on the fact that you enjoy having a beer with them or a cup of tea with them or whatever, but there's not a lot of actual tangible value that you're providing the client, then, you know, um, handing over to somebody else can mean that in their, in the client's mind, um, actually a lot of the value that they perceived is, is disappearing. So it's I think it's all part of the, the the you know, it's great. If, I've often said, you know, if you're seeing a heart surgeon, if he's got a nice bedside manner, but <laughs> you also want him to be a good, competent at heart surgery. So, um,
0: yeah. Which was the thing when you talk to a doctor, they come in, they'll have a chat, but there's that point where they go, so, you know, let's get on with it. I'm a doctor. Tell me what you need. Yeah. We did the bridge climb recently and uh, I wrote a blog about it, but there were, I mean, the the voyage up the bridge was great. The guy who took us, Nick, he told jokes, he pointed things out. He was full of information. He was professional. But the point is that 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 experience was, that was, that was not about him. It was actually about getting to the top of the bridge. So I think your value proposition has to be, you've got to be focused on the bridge and then whatever happens in between the relationship piece will, will, will solidify it. It will involve the relationship, but never lose sight of the fact it's about the summit.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, good analogy.
0: Um, Master delegation. So many people struggle with that. What do you do differently?
1: Um, I I guess the first thing is recognizing, you know, where your strengths are and where they're not. And so obviously, um, yeah, play to your strengths. um, Find people to fill the gaps where you're uh, not strong. Um, You know, things like, um, you know, calendar management and, um, yeah, look, all the day-to-day things. Um, you know, I've I've, um, I've acquired businesses where you know the planner was, you know, That um turn around and be doing the power planning for themselves. You know, it reminds me of um, Dennis Danudo in that scene in the castle where you know he's he, he speaks into the um, into the dictaphone for uh, for five minutes and then swings his chair around and starts uh, listening to the playback and type, typing up. Um, so, I don't know if you remember that scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true it's yeah I'm... yeah so um um yeah and as like our business has grown obviously having people that are really fantastic at process uh, sally bell's created um our um using the pipe drive um system which is like a sort of version of salesforce if you like mm-hmm. so um some of the guys on this Guys and girls on this call will uh, will know Adam Coglin who, who passed away suddenly a week or two ago. Last Friday I was at his funeral and uh, there's a bunch of um, of eulogies. But one of the quotes, someone uh, one of his colleagues said, uh, one of Adam's quotes was "details are for losers." <laughs> so I mean, details, as we know, are very important. But you know, it was his way of saying, well, you know, if we're launching this product or doing this and there's um PDS is to be written or what have you i'm going to get someone in who's much better and smarter than me to do it you know?
0: I've, I've, i think it's great i've heard it articulated as at some point in your journey as a business owner you need to stop asking how and start asking who yep yep I think the same sort of thing it's like just know know what you need to do but once you've got a basic idea don't become the expert don't try and hone your skills can we talk a little bit about acquisitions just uh just give us wisdom from the, uh, from the archives about what you've learned about how to do acquisitions, how not to do them, the common mistakes and traps. And, you know, if somebody's in this current environment thinking about acquisition or scared of acquisition, what you would mentor them
1: with. Yeah, no, well, I think, um, with all the fuzzy change going on, there's, there's going to be a stack of opportunities. So it's a matter of, um, of pricing, um, those opportunities, right. But as we know, it's not, um, it's not the price, whether it's, you know, you paid maybe 15% more than you could have or whatever, it's not going to be the make or break of the deal. It's A, it's having the relationship. And so, you know, you can do, spend thousands of dollars on due diligence and you and you should do that, but a lot of very successful um, acquisitions, the due diligence has gone on for a decade or two um, because of the relationship of the, uh, of the individuals then it's a matter of, um, like really setting expectations and being mindful that, you know, sometimes the business that you're acquiring, it's the first, um, M&A deal that that person has done where it might be your third one or your 13th one or whatever. So, you know, you, you, but you need to be really direct about setting um, expectations and more like a practical tip is I've found just through an email thread, the email thread of the, um, early stages of the discussions and, and acquisition is actually more important than the big legal document that comes out at the end because when, when something crops up, um, and someone says, well, you know, I didn't know, you know, this was going to happen six months in, yeah. or, you know, the uh, you know, well, are we going to close down the office the first year or the second year or, or whatever the detail is, if you can go back and say, well, hang on, we actually broached this subject, um, yeah. you know, very early in the piece and, and, this was my honest assessment of how things are likely to, uh, to to play out and you know the way they have played out is within those bands and descriptions that i uh, that, that i did set out so it's sort of you know because managing the handover and the transition is um is key to making it work and retaining the clients and so you know there's all the things about setting out the right sort of earn out structure and um and, and, and terms and you know making sure yeah. the client list is in the legal contract and and yeah i mean back to pricing i mean you know i don't think there's too many businesses that are that are even if they've got fantastic future ready um uh clientele that are sort of worth um anything like three times recurring i mean the um that the prices have, have shrunk and, and you know businesses that are full of trial commission are, are, are worthless uh, now in, in my view the the risk um you know it's a, a, a taking sort of those sort of clients on and then closing mm-hmm. off those relationships or converting them um is a very expensive thing in itself so you're actually um you know even if you acquired clients like that or policy or account holders like that for free you, you're still actually uh, taking on a liability um and you know there's Risk um, businesses are still worth a, a, a good multiple. Um, you know, you need to break up and segment the, the clientele into age brackets and uh, and size and so on. And actually, if you are using a, a multiple of recurring revenue, to use a different multiple based on all the um, yeah. uh, all, all the different segments. But yeah, the the you know, as we know, the, it's hard to look after clients for less than. Um, or four thousand dollars a year these days. So if you if, if you've got hundreds of, you know, you want um, you want a hundred clients paying five thousand dollars a year per advisor, five hundred thousand plus of revenue. You 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 can't have five hundred clients paying a thousand dollars a year because you'll uh, you'll go insane and you'll be a compliance risk.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not a happy life. That's a painful life. Greg, I know you've got to go. Uh, this has been incredibly useful. Thank you so much for sharing as usual. Yeah, let us know what's your view of the future and no, in particular, there's something that you maybe. People, if they're interested in what you're doing, or they'd like to uh, get, you know, yeah, more about your. In other words, yeah,
1: go for it. Well, there aren't too many businesses that are going through some kind of re- renovation at the moment, and you know, most of us have got exams and study in in one, to one degree or another. But I think the future of our profession um is actually fantastic i'm really looking forward to the next um five or ten years we're going to be continuing to uh, acquire um business as well as growing organically so if anyone on on this webinar you know know some people that, that want to have a coffee with me or whatever, they're more than than welcome to. And also, you know, if I can be of any value to anyone's business, I'm I'm happy to, whether it's having a chat over a coffee or, you know, being on an advisory board and, you know, setting up quarterly um, um, advisory boards. You know, we had a really good structure the way we do it across um, um, the businesses at AZNGA. And, uh, you know, always think about managing a business. There's four elements. There's, There's the financial, you know, there's the client engagement there's the operations and the people and the, the fifth element is, is how you run things for yourself uh, personally. Um, but yeah, all, always happy to help. I mean, I think one of the reasons I've had some, some success is deep down, whether it's clients or colleagues, I just like helping people and being of value and, um, and having great relationships with people. So I'm um, happy to, uh, to talk to anyone. Um, just, uh, just give me a call or an email. Oh, uh, what's the best email to get you on? I'll put it in the notes. Yeah, so greg.cook at ewmac.com.au. E-Mac, yeah. E-W-Mac. Sounds yeah. like it.
0: Yeah. Greg, this has been awesome. I know you've got a meeting to go to. So, any final words?
1: Right. Oh, no. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Um, I enjoy doing these things. Um, thanks for your good work around the industry, Stuart. I, and thanks, it was a few years ago now, but I, I, you came up to our uh, Eureka Whittaker-McNord conference at Byron Bay, and we're, we're a great part of that. So um, I can't <laughs> recommend you, uh, you more highly. Um, Thank you. And Any, that,
0: if anyone asked me to come and, um, and spend two nights at the <laughs> Byron to deliver a workshop, I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: my hometown, basically. I grew up in Lismore and, is that right? Yeah. No wonder you're probably out. where I retire as well. Oh. So hopefully, that's a few years away. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah, well you're an entrepreneur. Generally, <laughs> they don't return, they retire. They just slowly, you know,
1: yeah. focus on the areas that they want. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for your time. Greg, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for sharing. And, uh, mate, best of luck with the next 12 months and beyond. I know that two years from now, you, go, you guys are going to be ahead of the curve as usual. So, uh, enjoy no, no, it. no worries.
1: Thanks, Joe. Good
0: stuff. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another issue or audition, I should say, of the Finnovator Done and Dusted. I hope you're loving it. Uh, Just a reminder, if you are listening to this and you have a story to tell, you've built a great business or you're a specialist in a certain area or you're somebody who really knows their stuff and you fancy a chat, uh, I'd love to connect with you. Uh, Ultimately, these kind of engagements are all the better when I can talk to interesting people who've got practical steps to share. And frankly, it's just a hell of a lot of fun to do them. Uh, Similarly, if some of the things you've heard, uh, you're interested in, please feel free to go and head to our website, aldere.com.au. I know, I know, it's a strange name. And uh, check out our programs, check out our free content uh, and you know, if it catches your attention, join our mailing list and I'll tell you about some of the free events, uh, some of the regular webinars and other stuff that we run on a regular basis. If you are a financial expert, financial planner, advisor, mortgage broker who He's looking at the current situation and you're excited about it but you just want to help to get through the current uh challenges other than that i hope you're keeping safe i'll be back next week with another edition of Finovator. but in the meantime uh, stay safe and i'll see you soon